Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Redemption HD podcast. We hope that this episode blesses you, that it encourages you. If you want to know more about Redemption High Desert, you could visit our website at redemptionhighdesert.com. Also, follow us on all social media platforms at Redemption760. Here we go, live from Redemption HD. Uh, last Sunday, we had our leadership equipping meeting, and in that meeting, we went through 2 Thessalonians, our 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and there was a portion of the scripture, there was a portion that we ran into um, where God started to speak to us, and Johnny, uh, who's, where's Johnny at? Johnny right here. Johnny brought up the, uh, the thought, the idea, the, the quote, that God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And we kind of got into this discussion a little bit on Sunday night, and we talked about how sometimes when we feel the call of God, when we know that God is calling us to something, rather than having faith and believing in what God has called us to, we tend to look at ourselves, we tend to look at our strengths, our weaknesses, our resources, we tend to, to evaluate the call of God on our life based on our own self-perception. And that right there will work against you because if God's called you to it, you have to trust him to get you through it. Amen. So uh, we, we got into that conversation last week and um, at our leadership equipping that God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And that stuck in my head, in my heart all week. All week I was thinking about that all week. The Lord was speaking to me. And um, at one point I was just like, well, Lord, I, I don't know if, you know, I, I preached a similar message, you know, recently. I said, Lord, I don't know if, if you want me to preach this again. And uh, I was just in my prayer closet praying and praying, you know, what do you want to say on Sunday? And I did what every super spiritual person does when you just hit that block in the spirit. And you just grab your phone and go on Facebook. And um, so I go on Facebook in the first within the first couple of posts that I see Jackie had posted. Where's Jackie at? Jackie had posted that quote that God doesn't call the qualified or God doesn't yeah, call the qualified. He qual qualifies the call, the called. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and God just started to speak to me all throughout Scripture. We see that. Right. right. We see it with all of these great men of God. Uh, people like David, people like Esther, um, the disciples, you know, all of these people were by man's standards and even in their own perception of themselves, they might have seen themselves not called, not qualified. But God calls us and he qualifies us. And let me just tell you that the fact that he calls you shows that he's already qualified you. All we need is to be called by God. That's the qualifying is God's calling. And, and when we know that, when we believe that, when we receive that, we're not going to get caught up in how we view ourselves or how others view us. We're going to be confident in what God has called us to do. And if you guys have your notes, does everyone have notes in here this morning? On, on the uh, inside of your notes, there's three points I just want to point out really quick before we get into the story. The greatest and highest calling is to be called a child of God. The greatest title that you will ever have is to be called son and daughter of the king. First yeah. John 3 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Amen. The second greatest and highest calling is to be family. Amen? Amen? The second and greatest highest calling is to be family. I know everyone's family dynamic is different. 
You know, every, uh, we all come from different backgrounds and different experiences within our own families. And so whether it's by blood or by the spirit, we're all part of a family. Right? We're, we're all a brother. We're all a sister. And, and so we are family, whether, you know, again, we come from different type of dynamics within our families. We all are related. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Family is the greatest expression of the kingdom of heaven on the earth. Let me tell you that one more time. Family is the greatest expression of the kingdom here on the earth. Family is important. Very important. And how we handle family is a reflection of how we see the kingdom. If we truly have an understanding of the kingdom, then we'll value our family. We'll value our spouses. We'll value our kids, our parents. When we understand that it's an expression, a reflection of the kingdom. Ephesians chapter 2, 19 says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Amen. God has called each person for a specific purpose, a purpose that is only and fully found and accomplished in him. Amen. Amen. Psalms 139, 16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. So every single one of us in here are called to something. All of you, we're all called to something. Before we were in our mother's womb, God shaped us, formed us, created us with a plan and purpose in mind. T.D. Jakes says it like this. You don't start living the day that you come out of your mother's womb, but you start living the day you realize that God has a plan for you. Every single one of us have something to do. Every single one of us have something to do that's different than the next person. That's why comparison is easy. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Don't look at anyone else and wish that you were them or had what they had. Be secure and satisfied in who you are because who you are can't be duplicated or done by anyone else. Part of our calling, again, to be family, right? We're husbands, we're wives, we're sons, we're daughters, brothers and sisters. Some of us are called to, to start businesses. Some of, some of us are called into ministry. Some of us are called into education. Some of us are called into government. There's all different things that we're all called to. And again, we don't want to look at ourselves and say, well, I'm not good enough or I'm not prepared or I'm not ready. I can't do it. If God's called you to it, there's the qualification right there. If God saw you fit even before you step foot on this earth to place that purpose over your life, then who are you to call yourself a qualified? Is there things that need to be worked out? Absolutely. Things we need to grow in? Absolutely. Things that we need to learn? Absolutely. But most of the time, our calling and our purpose is not about living a life and obtaining things to get us somewhere. But the call of God, the plans of God, the purposes of God, the journey that we're on is realizing what we already have. When you spend a life chasing things, when you spend a life trying to obtain, if only I had this, if only this happened, if only I could do this. If you keep doing that, you're going to find yourself in this cycle in life where you're just running and running and running. 
But the moment that you realize that when you gave your life to the Lord, when you called upon Jesus to be your Savior, that He gave you the fullness of who He is. When God said, I'm going to take up residence within you, that you have everything you need to fulfill what God has called you to. You might not know it. You might not walk in it. You might need to grow in it, but you already got it. Tell your neighbor, I got it. Tell your other neighbor, you got it. And so I want to dive into one of my favorite stories. It's one of the first stories that I learned uh, in the Bible, and that's the story of Gideon. Gideon is uh, someone who was called by God, but looking at himself, he didn't feel like he was qualified. And so let's go ahead and uh, we're going to get into chapter 6 of Judges. Let's go to verse number 1 of chapter 6. It says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them in the hand of the Midian for seven years. Now, I wasn't trying to go in this direction, but God wouldn't let me get away from it. Let me tell you guys, sin will always hindrance. Uh, sin will always be a hindrance to the fullness of your calling. Amen. Yeah. I know pastors very encouraging. I know pastor shows a lot of grace and I'll walk with you through some things, but don't ever think that I'll compromise. Don't ever think that we're going to overlook what you're struggling with. Don't ever think that we're going to sweep sin under the rug because sin will always be a hindrance to your calling. And this is what happens to the children of Israel. This theme of, of the enemies coming into God's people to, to, to take over, to attack God's people, is a constant theme. We read it in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 the last couple weeks. Why? Because the children of Israel found themselves living in sin, living in disobedience. Now, the love of God does not change. God loves us even when we struggle with sin. But what we have to realize is that Sin does, and what sin, sin is, is that Jesus defeated sin on the cross. Sin has no power over you. So when you live in sin, because you live in Him and He lives in you, your heart and your mind are in this place of tension between who you were and who you are. That's why sin is a hindrance, because you're constantly in this place of going back and forth. Who God says and who your flesh wants you to be, they fight against each other. John 8, 34. In your notes, it says, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is what? A slave. The Bible also says that we're a slave to righteousness. That's the true calling. That's where we find ourselves. That's where we need to rest, is that we're a slave to righteousness. Because of the righteousness of Christ. Not because of the righteousness that we've owned, but we're chained, we're bound to his righteousness. We're connected to the righteousness of Jesus. So as we live a life following Christ, and we're going we're gonna to struggle, right? We're going to go through some things, but if I continue my pursuit of Jesus, I'm a slave, I'm bound, I'm chained to his righteousness. The moment I try to live in sin... And the moment I don't want to walk away from sin is as I'm chained to the righteousness of Jesus, my flesh is fighting against that and I want to go backwards. That's the hindrance. Doesn't change his love for us. It doesn't change our calling. 
And I'll, let me just keep it real with you. You can fulfill part of your calling living in sin. The gifts of God are without repentance. That means that what God gave you before you were in your mother's womb, you can do those things whether you're saved or not. But the fullness of it will not be accomplished apart from the Lord. That's why you have psychics, right? They're gifted. But they're gifted so they're gifted and using that gift for the wrong reason. You have entertainers and, and all these people that are doing big things and they might be doing it for the wrong reason. But if you gave them the spirit, imagine what they could accomplish. Right. So sin will always be a hindrance to the fullness of your calling. And we see that here in verse one. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, and also Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number and they would enter the land to destroy it. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your life. And that's why we have to be careful with our life. And, and, and we have to make sure that we're not living a life in sin because when we do, we open that door for the enemy to come and attack us. The things that happen to us aren't God's punishment. It's just a result of what we've sown. Sometimes we blame God for what's going on, but most of the time it's because of what we're doing. God doesn't fight against our free will. If this is what you want and where you're going to go and what you're going to do, then... So that's why you've got to close every door possible. Amen? Verse 6, so Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Verse 7, and, the, and it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. And drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. It speaks for itself, amen. Verse number 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abzerite. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. The enemies of God's people coming into the land to destroy it. To take what God's people had. Everything they worked for. Everything that they sown into. Their provision. Their livelihood. Everything was being taken by their enemies because they were living in sin. Here in this moment, Gideon is doing what he can to provide for his family, to take care of his family. And so he takes wheat 
and he's threshing it in the wine press. He's taking the wheat, the, the, the product to create bread. He's taking it and he's hiding it in the wine press. You know, when you thresh wheat, you, 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 you take the wheat and you pile it up. And, and with uh, the, the utensils, you, uh, a fork, meet a, a fork. <laughs> Pitchfork. That's what I'm thinking. I'm hungry. Lunchtime, right? I'm thinking, I need a spork. That's I'm so hungry. I need a spork. <laughs> The pitchfork. They take the pitchfork and they start threshing the wheat. They start tossing the wheat up to separate the tear and the grain. Gideon was so afraid that the enemies were going to take what they had that he was hiding it in a wine press. He was so afraid. He was so uh, he didn't want them to come and take what he had that he was taking the wheat and hiding it in the wine press. When I started to read this, I've read this story. Like I said, it's one of the first stories that I ever had heard and learned. And God really took me deep and started to speak to me about this. And, and this, this really started to blow my mind. Verse 11 again, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which is an oak tree. An oak tree which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abzerite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Gideon's name means... Hewer. A hewer is someone who cuts wood. Gideon's name actually means one who cuts trees. When the angel of the Lord came to speak to Gideon, what did he do? He sat where? Under the oak tree. I'm sure the angel wasn't tired. He could have sat. Anywhere else, he could have stood right there in the wine press next to Gideon. But the angel of the Lord chose to sit under the tree. While Gideon was threshing the wheat and sifting the wheat and working over here in the wine press, the angel stood and sat under the tree, calling upon Gideon, whose name means one who cuts trees. The angel of the Lord was trying to get Gideon's attention off of his circumstance and back on what he had called him to do from the first place. Take your eyes off of what's happening with your enemy and remember what I've called you to be. And I believe that the angel stood in front of the tree for a reason to remind him who he was. Who has your attention? Your calling or your circumstance? Where are your eyes? Where is your heart? Where is your vision? Are you so focused on what's happening around you that you're allowing that to cloud the very thing that God has called you to? Are you so caught up in what's happening that you've lost sight of what God has called you to do? Because let me tell you, if you start walking in the plans and purposes of God, everything around you will begin to fall in place. That's why the enemy wants to distract you. Because if there's no movement in your life, if you're not moving forward, if you're allowing yourself to stay stuck, the circumstances will never change. You might think that they're not even related. I'm going through all of this and that. What does it have to do with my calling? It's the fact that you're not moving through the storm. You're just standing there looking at it. Come on. Come on. <laughs> 
happening around us and let me just speak to the men to the husbands sometimes we're so caught up with being busy that we forget to be husband we're so we're so stuck and buried under the busyness of responsibilities that we forget we have spouses and kids to take care of and that's where we lose sight of our purpose is that we're so busy focused on the circumstance that we don't realize that we're missing the call I don't like to pick on the wives because my wife will chat with me later. But but it's the same thing, right? Both sides of the coin here for for husbands and wives, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, who you are in your workplace as an employee, as an employer. Who you are, what God has called you to do. You could be so overwhelmed by circumstance that you never walk in your calling. And that's why you can't let the enemy distract you. Yeah. You have to have a clear vision of what God has called you to do. And don't worry about what's happening around you. God's going to take care of that. Look at right here in your notes, Matthew 6.25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than the food? More than food in the body, more than clothing. That same context of Scripture, verse 33, Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all things shall be added to you. Don't worry about your life. Seek the kingdom. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Continue your pursuit of the Lord. Continue to have a hunger and a thirst for Him. He'll work everything out. We can't fix all the problems, guys. We need to do our part. We need to make sure we're not living in sin. Right? But there's only so much that we can handle. God has the battle, right? So if we keep our eyes on Jesus, if we keep our heart on Him, He's going to take care of everything else and we just walk in what He's called us to do. Amen? Again, your notes number two, who has your attention? Your calling or your circumstance? Keep reading verse number 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Listen, guys, this is a constant theme throughout Scripture. This is something that we see from the garden with Adam and the Lord. This is something that we hear Jesus promises us, promise us when he commissions the disciples. This is something that we see all throughout every book of the Bible. We see the faithfulness of God, but it's one of the hardest things for people to understand and to believe. And that is God is with you. God's with you. He's with you. God is with you. 
God is with you. God is with you. He's with you. There's nothing you can do, nowhere that you can go. He is with you. God's with us all the time. And even for those that don't know him or believe in him, he's there knocking on their heart. I, I'm, I'm really coming into this place in my life and my journey with God over the last couple of years where I realize how near God is. For so long, especially being in ministry, Pastor JJ, we've talked about this a lot. Sometimes being in ministry, we have this idea and we begin to box God in because we think that he's only found in the context of church. Right? God is only there on Sunday on Jacaranda at 10 o'clock. He shows up at 12, unless Pastor's on a good one, you know. Uh, he's, and then, then God leaves. And then I, I, I'm, I'm without. I just, I'm without until I come back. Like, you guys, God is with you all the time. He's with you all the time. I was having these crazy encounters at the gym. Shout out to Ryan. Make sure you see Ryan for all of your gym needs and gym memberships. Cobra Kai, strike first, strike hard. Right? We don't, we don't play around here. But I would be at the gym at Cobra Kai, and I'd be on the treadmill, not incline. Y'all, y'all remember last one? Not incline, just straight at two. Just a two, just clarify, just a two. I think at that time I was actually running a little bit. I had a little jog on me, but I remember... I remember having these encounters at the gym where I'd be on the treadmill and I'm watching fights, you know, like on my phone. I'm watching uh, UFC fights, you know, mixed martial arts fights, wrestling matches, you know, collegiate wrestling. Um, I do like a good WWE every once in a while, but collegiate wrestling. And, and as I'm sitting there and I'm watching guys punch each other, all of a sudden I would just feel the presence of God. I'm not even thinking about the Lord. No worship music. Nothing churchy. All of a sudden, the presence of the Lord would fall upon me. And I would say, God, you're here. You're here. You're with me. And I remember one moment specifically. I have the, the photos. I saved the photos. As I'm sitting there and I feel God's presence. I was right there in front of the windows. You know, the treadmills are Ryan, right there where you can see out the parking lot. As I'm on the treadmill, a dove comes and sits on the other side of the window right in front of me. And I just knew it was in this moment that God started to take me into these crazy encounters where I was encountering God in moments that had nothing to do with church. Watching the games, and all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord would fall upon me. I'd be in the garage, and the presence of the Lord would fall upon me. Be hanging out with my wife, with my son, the presence of the Lord would fall upon me. And God was teaching me how near He was. You guys, don't be so religious that you box God into Sunday morning. And don't be so religious that you keep God away from other people. Well, God's not with that person. Let me tell you, that is a deadly thing to prophesy. God is with us all and he's knocking on the door of our hearts. Now, where he resides is different. Okay? He's knocking on the door of our hearts so that he can reside within the believer. But that does not mean that God is not with those that are lost or those that don't know him. That's why the world needs us to be the light right now. That's why you don't go out in the world and you start speaking death and curses and division. You go out there and you encourage people that what you feel, the peace you're looking for. You know, we were talking the other day, you know, how many people do we know that have had spiritual encounters that don't confess Jesus as their Lord? They wouldn't call themselves Christians, but they've had spiritual encounters. Listen, that's God saying, hey, I'm with them. They might not understand and you might not even agree, but that does not keep me from loving on them. 
And God's knocking on their heart to give them a full revelation of who they are in Him and who He wants to be within them. Number three in your notes, God has called you and He is with you. God is with you. He's with Gideon. And that's what the angel of the Lord said to him. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Thank the Lord that He didn't leave us, Raymond. Even when we left, we left him. He didn't leave us. Kept, he kept that, that, that love, that, that grace that he just kept pulling on us until we fully surrendered. Thank you. And that's, that's how, great, how, how great of a truth is that? God is with us. I'm telling you guys, we got to stop boxing God in. Let me just say this, guys. We, we are believing and praying and we, we need to start praying and believing this. That we're going to see miracles, signs and wonders, salvations take place outside of these four walls. These four walls just are a meeting place of celebration. But we're going to see the move of God out there. Stop waiting for pastor to pray for people. You pray for people. Stop waiting for an outreach and evangelism team and all that stuff. You tell people your testimony. You know, if they don't come to church, be the church that they attend. If they don't have a Bible, be the word that they read. We need to go out there and show this world that God loves them. He has a plan for them. Amen. And that he's with them. Let's keep let's read that verse again. Verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you. You man of valor. Now, this is so contradicting to where uh, Gideon is at. This is so opposite of his situation. Gideon is in a place where he is doing something out of fear. He's threshing wheat in the wine press. He's hiding his resource, hiding his provision. He's hiding it from his enemy. The last thing that he probably believes about himself is that he is a mighty man of valor. But this is the declaration that God is speaking over him. This is what God is saying. God is looking at Gideon and he's saying, look, I don't care about your circumstance. I call you a mighty man of valor. And this is how we have to see ourselves, is we can't see ourselves through our own eyes, but we have to be confident in what God sees in us. We might not feel ready. We might feel like we're not going to do a good job. But if God has called us to it, if God has purposed us for it, then that's what he saw from the beginning. Therefore, don't lean on yourself, but lean on God to fulfill that in you. I questioned myself as a husband and as a father when we began today. How am I going to be a good husband? Am I going to be a good father? I wrestled with these things. What I experienced, what I grew up, what I saw, the mindset that I had, the things that God was delivering me out of, I questioned if I could be a good husband. But you know what? I didn't trust myself. I trusted God. I just said, you know what, God, in my own flesh, yeah, maybe I won't be a good husband, but by your spirit. By your spirit, God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do, God, if you call me, if you have called me to be her husband, if you call me to be a father, I will do it. Mm -hmm. Not in my own strength, but in yours. Some of you guys have a desire to work for a promotion at your job. 
Maybe it's something you're like, man, I really would like to move up. It would probably it would be good for me financially. It would be good for my family. I really would like that position. But then the enemy lies to you and tells you that you're not good enough. You're not qualified. So then what starts to happen is you believe those lies. And rather than you moving forward and obtaining the things that God has for you, you're staying stuck. Some of you guys, maybe God is giving you a business idea. You feel called to start a business. You know, a little side, a little side hustle, make some money. You know, you have this idea, you want to do something. But you feel like, you know what, I don't know if it's going to be successful. I don't know if I can do it. Let me tell you, if God put it on your heart, he'll get you through it. The vision that you have, don't ever let the enemy lie to you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy the plans of God for your life. And the moment you begin to entertain his lies is the moment you forfeit what God has called you to do. That's why I told you guys last week about my wife's book. It wasn't just powerful for her and good for her. It was good for all of us because she pioneered something for us. She broke through something. She showed us, hey, it's okay to dream with God. It's okay to say, you know what, God, if this is, if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. My, my wife never wrote a book before in her life. Not knowing what to do, how to do it, where to do it, when to do it. All she did was give God her yes. And God did everything else. There's so many dreams in this place. There's so many visions. There's so much vision. So much purpose in this place. Don't let the enemy keep you from fulfilling that. Don't hesitate. Don't slow down. Are there things to learn? Absolutely. Is there God's timing that we have to wait for? Absolutely. But doesn't mean that you can't start now. I was pastoring before I got ordained. I was preaching before I had a pulpit. I was worshiping before I had a stage. Come on, this is where, this is where the preparation begins. So many people are waiting for opportunities. Well, if this happens, then I'll do this. If this changes, I'll do that. I'll tell you, my friend Pastor JJ will tell you, sometimes you just got to kick doors down. If God's called you to do something and the enemy's trying to be a roadblock, sometimes you just got to push your way through to the purpose. JJ, there's going to be a lot of businesses that come from believers. And, and, I, and I think me and you, this is, you guys, if, if you haven't met Pastor J.J. Tessie and his family, great people, some of my closest friends. One of the conversations that we've had for years and years and years is just how much the church has tried to get people in instead of trying to get people out. Come on. We spend so much. We, we try to gear everything into all of our events and in all of our, you know, church programs, we do everything we can to bring people in. But the commission of Christ was for us to go out. Yeah. Right. This is where the church got. We need to flip some things around. Amen. We need to stop trying to get everyone in and, and just, hey, everyone come in to hear the pastor. Everyone come in to hear the, the band. Everyone come in to be a part of the programs. No, 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 no. Let's do what we need to do to get you guys out. That's right. And there's going to be a lot of you guys that do business. And listen, we want you to do business not so that those finances can bless the church, even though they will. But we want you to do business so that you can go out there and reach the business world. Yeah. Listen, we're not trying to use anybody for their gifts and their talents around here. We need you to go out there and save souls. 
We're not trying to expand this kingdom. We're trying to expand his kingdom. And when God gives you a vision, a purpose, a calling, it's for you to go out and be the light in the darkness. It's for you to go out and be a fisher of men. It's for you to go out and save the lost, to rescue them from darkness. And we can't stay stuck and disqualify ourselves every time God gives us an instruction. We're in the grocery store and God tells us to speak to someone. God tells us to witness to someone. God tells us to pay for someone's groceries. And we immediately begin to listen to the lies of the enemy and unqualify ourselves for that purpose. And then we miss the moment to see lives change. We have songs in our heart and we're afraid how people are going to receive them so we never write them down, never record them. We have books in our mind and we don't write them down because we're afraid how people, if they're going to receive them. you got to do what God has called you to do. And let me just tell you, and I, I say this all the time, and if you've ever had face-to-face conversations, you guys have heard me say this. Redemption is not here so that you can help us fulfill our vision. Our vision as a church is to help you fulfill what God's called you to do. We're not, we're not gathering people to build up redemption. I don't, we're not trying to make a name for ourselves. And the name on the building is exactly that. Just a name on the building. We're here to equip the saints to go out and do the work of the Lord. And so our purpose, our desire, my desire, my heart as a pastor is to prepare you, to encourage you to go say yes to God. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. I'm going to continue in this story over the next couple weeks with Gideon. To encourage you guys in this, that even though you might not feel qualified, if God has called you, he's already qualified you. Number four in your notes, I want you to write this down. Your true identity and calling is only found in the Lord. Your true identity and calling is only found in the Lord. Again, like I said, this is why comparison is so deadly. When you begin to compare yourself to other people, you lose who you are. You know, I, I like social media. It's, it's, it's fun. It's entertaining. It's, it's a good distraction at times. But I think sometimes social media creates this idea that everything is one way, that you know, people look a certain way, people are doing certain things, and that's really a mask. Like, social media is not real, just so you guys know. Social media is not real. That's why they give you filters, so you can create whatever world you want. Right? The only thing that we see on social media is what you want us to see. And we can create whatever world we want. I'm doing good, and I'm doing great, and I look good, and I look great. I sound good and I sound great. That's dangerous because if you begin to find identity in that, then you're not going to know who you are. Because as soon as all of that stuff is gone and you're face to face with reality, you can't pull up a filter to change your circumstance. You can't update a post to change the trial of the tribulation. You have to find yourself in the Lord, in His presence, in His Word. You have to find yourself in Him, and you need to let what He says about you be your truth. You don't worry about don't worry about what everyone else is doing. That's right. 
Worry about what you're doing. Bring yourself before God. Say, Lord, you tell me who I am and you tell me how to live. And from that place, you're going to find yourself. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at evargus760.com and also redemptionhighdesert.com.